Welcome to Tunnel Talk and No Facts, All Feelings Wrestling Podcast. I'm Allie. I'm Ann. And I'm Leah. And this is actually a very special episode of our podcast because we have a guest uh, who is the co-host of our favorite wrestling podcast, which I actually think we have embarrassingly referenced many times, (laughs) uh, where we're just like, well, we heard of Marty and Sarah. Uh, So she is uh, Sarah Shockey. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, it's me, Sarah Shockey, and I'm so excited to be here. I um, have been doing a wrestling podcast with Marty DeRosa for like almost eight years. I boldly claimed it to be our eight-year anniversary this year, and it was not. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not great with numbers, uh, not great with a lot of wrestling history, but very willing to learn, very open to just like joining this world and seeing, come on up, Peter. Come on up. Yes, look, Peter's here. <laughs> For everyone listening Two on audio. Two on our podcast. That's right. Peter, do you have any thoughts on wrestling you want to share? <laughs> Peter yells so much during our podcast that we made him his own t-shirt that says Screamin' Pete. You can get it at <laughs> boys.com and just show some support because cats voices are just as valid as humans we just don't always understand them <laughs> and they're rarely showing up in podcasts i've noticed so he's very special he's, in that respect he's put a stamp on when we first got him he didn't ever make a sound and then we took him to the vet once and it was like he turned up the volume and it was like <laughs> echoing in the lobby and then he was like oh this is power i like it i want more and now he's screaming beat uh, you very our, relatable, uh, peter our pod pet, uh, pet who is always yelling is Anne's Shasta, who yep. was definitely on one last week, I believe. She she got banished to my parents' house tonight because last <laughs> week she was so bad. I was like, and she freaks out when we're, we're doing it like a little bit later tonight than we normally do. And like at 10 o'clock is usually when I like go upstairs for my little bedtime rituals. And if we stay downstairs past 10, she like gets possessed by the devil, I think. So I was like, this is really asking for trouble. But yeah, last week it was Barks and her squeakiest toys and <laughs> poor Marjorie had to edit her. <laughs> around it not not her finest hour she really was like conducting a little symphony of her own she was like I'm gonna get on that recording <laughs> I'm gonna get over brother yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be impossible to mute me this time <laughs> uh well we were very excited to have you on the podcast because again we love you we love your podcast but also we are of course three we call ourselves unaccompanied women we have no male sponsors to the world of wrestling. <laughs> we entered alone. and uh, Which is so brave. <laughs> I did not. I came in with multiple male escorts. It was like an ex-boyfriend and his friend and his friend's brother. And then like was coddled gently into Marty and Sarah Love Wrestling with Marty. Like I was always very protected by men. But you know what? It was like at the time I came in, there were no podcasts with women. And the fact that there are so many now is huge. It's so impressive. And I really like your guys' show too. Your gals' show. Come on, vernacular. (laughs) I'm I'm always guising instead of galsing. So I get it. But I was going to ask if if you could just like talk a little about what that, like when you started getting into wrestling, what it was that like made you be like, oh, this is it. This is Dean Ambrose. It was a hundred (laughs) percent. Nice. This was like the shield was popping off and I would go. So basically my boyfriend at the time, was went home and hung out with his best friend from growing up which is always like boys who watched wrestling as best friends growing up is a very special thing and you gotta respect it across fields and so when he came back and was like hey we watch raw on monday nights now at this bar 
near our, our apartments. And I was like, sure. I respect that. (laughs) But I would like three hours is a long time. And I would just kind of like dilly dally after work. I'd go home. I got in this routine. I would like pick up something to eat. And then for the last like hour and a half, two hours, I would watch raw kind of like in and out. And I never really cared that much. I would ask questions here and there. I liked hearing the regulars at the bar kind of dunk on it. But eventually I would see Dean Ambrose and I was like, what's that guy's deal? And they're like, oh, he's a lunatic fringe. And I'm like, yeah, but he has dimples. And they're like, yeah, so what? And I'm like, well, that's really cute. So what? It seems that's like he- the most important thing. Yeah. Like for me, what I'm seeing here is this is a sweet man who's also very tough and bold and a true hero. And then there was the day where Seth Rollins like attacked him with a hot dog cart because they were in New York. And I was like, come on, it's funny. It's funny too. And after that, I was like watching Raw. I was live tweeting along and I started to get tired of the commentary because I was like, it's the same all the time. It feels like perhaps an older crazy man is in the headset. <laughs> I don't like people what to say. Like, wouldn't it be fun if you could say anything you wanted? And I tweeted about how I really wanted to commentate wrestling. And my buddy, Zach Thompson was like, Hey, my company needs the commentator right now. Are you interested in just like trying it out? So I commentated the first live wrestling event I ever saw, which is like, so rude. (laughs) (laughs) What did you, what did you do? Like when going in, what were you like, this is how I'm going to approach this. Uh, improv because Zach is an improviser and I'm an improviser and we used to do baby wants candy, which is an improvised musical show. And so you're making up songs, like you're doing whatever. So he and I had a good patter, but I was just like, and I think he didn't really care so much about like getting the moves names, right. Or anything. He was just like, have fun. This will pay off itself. If you just have a good time. And we had a great time. And the promoters were like, this is at resistance pro and about 2014 they were like hey if you want to like say if you think like any of the guys are cute like we're all about it and I was like I was gonna do that anyway so like yeah try and stop me actually yeah and I got I was known for um nips and thighs we're always like and I don't like to comment disrespectfully but I feel like we women get enough like specific body attention Mm -hmm. that like positive body attention for these boys who are afraid to comment on each other's nice perfect quarter size nipple (laughs) you Men like, should not be nice so afraid to comment on each other's nipples. I think they should feel brave to give their bros, you know, little compliments. Compliments are yeah. just the fruit of friendship. Or just mm-hmm. to think about like the amazing variety of bodies and mm-hmm. nipples and And all that kinds anyone of can be a pro wrestler. Like that's yeah. the, like, yeah. you know, there was this guy and I'm forgetting his name. The guy who's on dark a couple of times, I think at least once, and he was at Orange Cassidy's doing something. He has no legs and he's a wonderful pro wrestler. He bounces up to the middle rope, up to the top rope. And it's just like, yeah, pro wrestling can be anything. Any bodies can show up and do this. And yeah. uh, if they're, if they look good or there's something interesting about them that I like, I'm going to say something nice about them. Right. Yeah. I'm also, I got all the move names wrong that I tried. And <laughs> my buddy Ivan was, who puts together the DVDs just sauntered by one day and he was like, commentary not bad but uh don't make up names for the moves anymore and I was like thank you for being the one person to tell me I was being kind of shitty 
I think we have often talked about and love to think about uh, Excalibur in the headset giving people move names on <laughs> AEW, telling commentary what the move names are. He knows everything. I'd like to share with you a very funny Excalibur story. <laughs> we had a little party at my old apartment and invited over some of our dear AEW friends. I basically was like, because we worked with a lot of these wrestlers at AAW, Marty and I, he commentated, I did the backstage wrestling like announcement interviews. You can see some very nice ones of MJF almost giving me a spotlight and then ripping it away from me. <laughs> they came and hung out on the rooftop and it was like, I just told Bryce Remsburg, dear Bryce, like bring Eddie Kingston if he will come and Chris Statlander and anyone else you want to invite. <laughs> so there's a little group of us. Eddie was on his way out, but then Mox needed something and they're like sled dogs. Like they will be at each other's side, which I think is just oh, wonderful. But Chris came over and she and I are talking and laughing and doing bits. Like it's, I don't know if it's well known, but Chris Statlander is the funniest, like maybe at, aw like no one does bits like her she doesn't has no need to be a comedian but she's very funny and very like i don't know adaptable to situations it's so delightful but so we're joking around about jim ross always commenting on women's bodies in a spectacular (laughs) way which is something that i'm surprised i I shouldn't be surprised but men don't really always notice it (laughs) women right away like you hear it from the other room you're like oh he's like comparing her to a cow again like what are we doing (laughs) So said she females I, one more time yeah yeah well she's built real interesting so chris and i i don't mean that in that. a negative way yeah because he's aware of it he knows it. it we start going back and forth like oh yeah well get her up on one of the cattle scales like we're just when we do it for i want to say like 20 minutes and everybody's laughing but like a little bit uncomfortably and then i realized the uh, very handsome aew employee who seemed to know a whole bunch about commentary was Excalibur. Oh, no. <laughs> and I don't know that I would have been so bold about JR's commentary. But I, know. Well, I just I mean, sort of like softly had that epiphany about three hours into the hangout and was like, oh my God, what did I say? What did I say? I mean, it was just Jim Ross. It was just impressions of Jim Ross. Like I never said, I love Excalibur. Oh I think he's wonderful. But he must know it too. He's got to know it because he doesn't say stuff it. like that. No. Like he's he was very, fine. very like judicious, and he was like, you know, he's like I, he was laughing very uncomfortably. <laughs> he was oh, like, no. I hear what you're saying. He goes, well, you know what? Nobody's got TV time, and like Jim Ross, like he can take you out commercial. It's like the back of his hand. He knows all the timing. He's like, he's such a pro, and I was like, you're a very nice man, <laughs> and you heard us out for. 25 minutes then we just <laughs> kept doing bits it was very funny oh my gosh that's so funny wow. I mean it's like you do get because I think I definitely have gotten like a little stockholmed by JR where I'm like yeah oh, that's totally just, that's JR and he's kind of doing his thing <laughs> but he will say things sometimes like when he's like I'll just I'm just gonna break out the word Jezebel does that feel right to everybody right now and you're like not to me really in the audience but okay and it's also like what how are you referencing Jezebel? Did you read the stories? Do you yeah. know what you're, or do you just think she's a little bit lascivious? Cause that's what I feel like it's always yeah. misused. Cause it's like, I'm pretty sure Jezebel like sat in a window and like called out to be like, you're not going to kill me. And then yeah. the people fighting she's her She's not were like, slutty in the Bible at all, actually. No, yeah, she gets but... killed by her eunuchs, which I'm like, yeah. what and then dogs did they lick up, serve? They lick up yes. her blood in the 
Well, that's square. kind of, that's mm-hmm. a little bit pro wrestling though. I will say that's that. a little pro wrestling. She's, she's tough. Like nobody liked her, but she was tough, but it wasn't like a sexual issue. It's never, they never use Jezebel, right? And mm-hmm. they do a lot of like, oh, well, she's got a little, and like, it's this weird, like <laughs> roundabout thing where I'm like, if you were just open to one or two, like feedback sessions, but yeah, I know it's yeah. I do feel like, like sometimes this it's... that long. He's he's an older white man. What are you gonna do? Yeah, and right. sometimes I do feel like they've like run him through some little like class. Like they've sat yeah. him down and said some things because like he'll say something and then he'll be like, "Well," like and he'll try yeah. to back it up. Like, the problem really is, I know, but the problem is that like I can hear him getting self conscious about things that aren't yeah, actually a problem, normal. but he doesn't he doesn't notice oh, yeah. about the things that are. But he'll be like, "She's so muscular," not in a bad way. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, right. okay, that wasn't a bad thing. She's so athletic. Like, and then he's like, oh, I don't mean that insulting. Like, oh, no, JR, that was, that was totally fine. Right in the first place, it's totally nice to be like, she is good at her job. That's good. And he also argues arguments that don't exist on air, which I think is so funny, where he'll be like, well, we're going to be hearing about that on Twitter for a while because I said that and you all think this. And it's like, who are you fighting with? You don't have to do this. You have a very nice job and a lot of friends. Yeah, it's okay. You can just be in, be in the moment. Don't yeah. ever live in the future of Twitter. That's that that's way like lies the, madness. That's that's hell, I think. Yeah. <laughs> the future of Twitter, even worse. What are they than gonna the say? Yeah. You never can know. <laughs> well, that's um yeah, I was gonna say like this kind of like leads into a conversation just about like being a female fan of wrestling. Every time I say the word female now, I'm like, don't say <laughs> as a female. <laughs> do you know if you guys saw that like Frankie Kazarian tweeting the other day about Roe v. Wade started the tweet with like, I'm like, I'm so sorry to all the females or something where I was just like, oh Frankie, I just wouldn't put it that way. Like it's like love the support, but that's not where I'd start. It it makes us sound a little bit like a specimen that you want to understand, but yeah. is distinctly in a vase or behind a glass wall. Right. Totally like, different species for they're sure. Under yeah. the microscope. <laughs> yeah. I do feel like with some of the Vince McMahon stuff coming out though, like I knew he was a bad man. I didn't know how bad a man he was. And so it's oh, like just oh, yeah. you wait. It's oh, not know, even I'm we're sure not it's... even scraping the tip of the iceberg. I, I know. On well, that once man. you just see what's there, it's like like, oh, this is I do still wish but... I wish every year that he'll be visited by three ghosts and I cast it different <laughs> every year from Vince McMahon with his Christmas Carol I just want to see a redemption arc but who knows yeah he's running out of time he <laughs> is but Scrooge was like busy. really old that's true <laughs> it's never too yeah. late yeah but yeah it's just like very clear that it's like been a very misogynistic situation over there you know so it's like JR and like Frank all the older wrestlers you think they've had to like adapt to like a pretty messed up little situation you either adapt or you shit in someone's bag <laughs> right <laughs> or both I guess. or both <laughs> you go back and forth <laughs> Well, I was wondering, it's like, cause you've been into wrestling for a lot longer than us. So like eight or nine years now, depending right? on how many years I claim doing the podcast, eight or nine years. <laughs> yeah. You know what, whatever number you say, we're just going to run with it. We don't know the truth. Um, but like, do you think that the landscape has changed, you know, in terms of like being a woman watching wrestling, how that feels like in terms of feeling like catered to and like a part of the community um, or no, it's definitely changed. And I think the bigger change is LGBTQI plus inclusivity, mm-hmm. which I feel like for a long time, it was almost a question of like, well, first we don't want women here. Like we don't want anyone that different here because yeah. 
these are the shows where like I started to understand it as like not exclusive on purpose but a lot of the indie shows and a lot of wrestling was like hey if you get it you get it and you respect it and you like it we don't want a bunch of outsiders like this is our place where we don't have outsiders judging us whether it's our sisters or our moms or our girlfriends (laughs) or our gay friends who cannot believe the way that we are booking storylines like (laughs) (laughs) It just was like a haven for a very specific demographic, which was usually like more straight, more, more white, more male. But at the same time, when I started to get into wrestling, I would ask people and everyone's got like a story about maybe watching wrestling with their grandma in like the fifties or like, oh, I used to watch wrestling. Like so many people have a connection to it. It's crazy actually. Yeah. It just, and it's, wrestling's very slow to catch up. So yes, I feel like there is slightly more catering to us. I mean, WWE really pioneered the women's evolution revolution. And then that petered out in a vast display of um, NDA (laughs) drama. (laughs) But it is like, it's, it is changing. Like I think Lucha Underground did a lot for like opening the door to more people like the more we do these cinematic things, the more we kind of cross over with different people, it has become more open. And I have seen a lot more people willing to talk about it. I mean, I love that. It's interesting to feel like, cause we just, we got into wrestling like two years ago during the pandemic. We really only watched. What a weird <laughs> time to get into wrestling. Cause this, yeah. that was some of the weirdest wrestling I've ever seen. Like, yeah, I mean, everyone know. lost their minds. We, we didn't even like, know it was weird. No. And the first, the first televised uh, show we watched that had a crowd, we were like, what are all those people doing there? They're so loud. <laughs> They're so loud. I'm trying to focus on the quiet wrestling and the storyline. We just kind of want the guns there. The wrestlers, like they never used to do that. That was yeah. like renegade for us. Like having the baby faces and the heels, like making friends. Like I miss that. I wish they yeah. still did that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Cause it definitely felt like, like now that we have a little more distance from it, we're like, wow, they really were shaking some stuff up to try and make it work during the pandemic, which we didn't appreciate at all at the time. Cause we were just like, this is what wrestling is. Like wrestling <laughs> is when people come out to the ring, all of their coworkers are standing around them. Austin Gunn and Colton Gunn are screaming, jumping around. Screaming. They were all stars. They were all stars were of the pandemic. <laughs> who needs a crowd when you have the guns out there and honestly yeah. it's been very like sweet to watch them uh you know like teaming with the acclaimed recently and be like wow those are those are the sweetest audience members I've ever known and they <laughs> wrestle too <laughs> it's it was so fun too to see like the first MJF and Sean Spears like oh are we both betting on this match moment yeah. I was like I want to see the bad guys be bad <laughs> Um, yeah, no, but it's, it's interesting that like, there's definitely lots of stuff about wrestling that immediately was like, oh, I'm interested in that. And then like only over time, am I like, do they mean for that to be interesting to me? Like, do they know that that? (laughs) No, a lot of times they don't. My most fascinating (laughs) storylines have always been the ones that are completely thrown to the wayside. And I always use the example of Seth Rollins and J&J security. And they just went (laughs) away one time and they never came back and it broke my heart. (laughs) And like, what was it? I've heard you reference J&J security many times. So I'll say that. And I love it every time. But what was it about it that you were just like, this is the storyline I want. And I'll be dreaming about it for years to come. I recently, I'll take a little roundabout way to answer that question. Thank you for asking it. I went to a book club and I was the only person who liked the book. And it was like six of us. And um, I was kind of like, 
did I write extra story in my own brain? <laughs> and that's why I like it better. And as we talked it out, I was kind of like, I think so. Because a lot of times I like, I grew up thinking that anything that was on TV was approved by a board of specialists as good <laughs> television so if I didn't like it I just simply didn't get it but someone else had deemed it as good mm-hmm. they still have that a little bit <laughs> J&J security to me it was just like they love Seth Rollins they'll do anything for him they're a little bit sneaky like I just picture them as their own like buddy cop movie and he's their like king that they have to you know take care of and then also <laughs> they've got their own subplots and like I don't know it felt like like very Night at the Roxbury to me. I just had this whole thing in mind that they were like these deep little cartoonish guys. And uh, then one day they were gone. And I was like, <laughs> I think when Miz and Mizdow ended, it was around the same time. And I was like, Marty, they'll bring them back, right? Because I like them. And <laughs> Marty's had to break a lot, a lot of dismal dark truths to me about wrestling. And I respect him so much for it. Because it's like, he's been a fan since 1980. Like, that's when he was three years old. He saw wrestling on TV. He thought it was the best thing in the world. And then just kept, you know, watching Mm -hmm. it. And here we are. So I'm lucky that he's a fountain of knowledge. And he's never shy about, like, oh, you want to know about Mm so-and-so? Come on over. I'm going to, you know, conduct the YouTube. And so I learn a lot. But it's Mm -hmm. also, like, nothing's that consistent. (laughs) And the storylines that I got really, like, tied to early on, it's like, yeah, that was just run-of-the-mill wrestling but to me because I was new and I love narratives I'm like yeah but they'll they'll bring them back one day do you think the wrestlers like that they care as much about like narrative is the thing that always gets me and then like I don't understand the rest I enjoy watching the wrestling but like you know I don't understand it really yet but do you think that they're like as invested in the storylines that they're telling as like it depends on the person Mm -hmm. because I've seen people like when I worked at AEW, mm-hmm. there were people who would just show up, put me wherever, you know, we're doing this, doing that. But also, like, you would see, even early on, MJF shaping his own narratives and, like, finding yeah. paths. So it's like, it depends on the wrestler. It depends on the booker. It depends on how much they sort of agree. But, yeah, I think the best guys really care about the all-round deal. Like, they care mm-hmm. about the story. They care about the wrestling. They care about you know, kicking out at 2.998. <laughs> yeah, MJF is so good at it. He's like, you can tell he's got like story instincts in there. It's so fun when you find a wrestler with like a good narrative. Eddie Kingston faked mm. retirement so many times and I bought it every <laughs> freaking time. Tom Lawler did it once and I was like, wherever you go, I really respect you and your career. And he just looked at me like, you stupid. <laughs> I was like, I would like to shake your hand. You've been a great wrestler. He was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's us too, though. Like, everything everything that happens on the TV, we're like, wow, I can't believe that that's real. And someone has to be like, it's not. <laughs> I'm the same way. But we still, like, for injuries, like, we still yeah. buy it hook, line, and sinker. And sometimes it's real and sometimes it's not. Like, that's yeah, the thing yeah. is, like, it's never fully a work or a shoot. That's like right. the yeah. fun gray well, it's area. It's like half the time they like embarrass themselves and then they're like, ha ha, I was doing it on purpose the whole time, you know, which is like, <laughs> it's kind of a nice out in your life. Like maybe I should start integrating that just into like how I treat other people. <laughs> I call it the um, Batley from Eureka's Castle. If anybody gets that reference, <laughs> 
He was a cartoon or a puppet bat that would just uh, run into a wall and hurt himself and then go, I meant to do that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, well, I missed some of what we were talking about, but <laughs> we can't. We were very entertaining. Don't worry. Works in, Yeah, it was pure gold, pretty much. So, um, yeah, what were we just talking about? Um, works and shoots and And narrative. who's into oh. narrative? Yeah. And oh, I, yes. I always put over mjf even though he's terrible (laughs) (laughs) he's a bad bad boy but he does know how narrative works it's true and that is like our number one thing that that we're obsessed with and like love to like we're the first people who discovered it talk about like it's actually really hard in wrestling because people get injured (laughs) and you think they were going to do one thing but then they can't do it and that changes the narrative and like it's just such a complicated medium it feels like where when it all goes right it's so electrifying to be like they did it the narrative (laughs) worked when something like closes with a button and you just get that beautiful moment there's nothing like in the world and if you're in a crowd when it happened that's why I don't regret it I went to Forbidden Door last night yes Yes, I have COVID today it's my first COVID (laughs) but I was like Marty was like if you want to swap and do different nights I was like no it's historic it's historic to show up to a virtual podcast with COVID in 2022 I don't care what you say absolutely it is the moment it is the zeitgeist it is it's happening and all my friends like I noticed it around where I'm like all my people who weren't getting COVID are suddenly getting COVID and then I was like well I'm just gonna keep do stay in the course following my instincts and you know here we are but they always say everybody's gonna get it to me it's like yeah Yeah. I didn't realize the flu was from a pandemic where I'm like oh (laughs) these things just kind of become braided into society and here I am part of it. Yeah. And We're like that just... South Korean doctor said, you know, if you haven't gotten COVID yet, you, <laughs> you just don't, don't have friends. So. <laughs> it was such a, it was such a Sorry, Marty. <laughs> I haven't gotten it either. I also haven't I gotten have it. Friends, friendless. So. Friendless. <laughs> uh, did you have a good time at Forbidden North? Oh my gosh. The best time. So I don't know how much everyone's familiar with Noli, yeah. AKA the amazing yep. dragon. Yes. Mm-hmm. He is our eight-year-old wrestling buddy who booked his first Royal Rumble when he was three. (laughs) And uh, it was called the Noli Rumble. And the proceeds benefited the foster care service that he was currently in at the time. He's been adopted since by our dear buddies, Alex and Tom Green. He and his brother, Eric. And they're just like the coolest kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Marty, like the way that we find these wrestling kids and we just can't leave them alone. Like they're, we love to hear what they think and how they feel. And like Marty specifically remembers being a little boy who just needed wrestling. Mm -hmm. And he sees a lot of that in Noli. So he and Noli, like he brought Noli on to do commentary with us at black label pro recently. Noli's got his own fans. He's got amazing (laughs) dragon t-shirts which he plugged to everyone who would listen. <laughs> like he brought out a, a shirt influencer. to my friend Tiffany and he showed her the amazing dragon shirt. She's like, Oh, that's real cool. And he's like, you should buy one. <laughs> Sarah, tell her how she can buy one. And I was like, rumbleboys.com. And it's amazing dragon. He was a bad guy, but now he's good. You know, now on your last pod, you were like, we're like, and if you want to say hi to no- Noli, uh, you have to be respectful. Have people not been respectful about saying hi to him? That does worry me quite a bit. It, really uh, it was kind of, I, I, really fold in my gentle scoldings um I call them my moral speeches um that was kind of a weird little one where I just wanted to remind people not to be weird to the wrestlers like Noli's a wrestler in his own right 
But like I've seen people behave so strangely at WrestleCon and places and like things people have said where I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to put this like, of course, we're not going to be weird to an eight year old. But also don't be weird to a 28-year-old. Yeah. Like, right. just don't be weird. Right. Yeah. But no, everybody was very sweet. And Noli just, like, just took it all in, just, like, internalized the wrestling. Like, the crowd was amazing. The people around us were amazing. Like, that's such a blessing when you're in a live show and the mm-hmm. people nearby you can kind of joke with. And I think that Marty does a lot to kind of get that vibe going. Mm-hmm. But Noli also does a lot to get that vibe going. And it just gets really, like... You just feel it all around. Mm-hmm. And the guys in front of us kept turning around and being like, you know, this, this what's great about pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> like, it really is. So, yeah, That's because the like, time to get into pro wrestling is when you're an eight-year-old boy and not when you're a woman have, in your 30s. It usually doesn't have happen that way. all the knowledge he needs that we yeah. lack. <laughs> I was I in my late 20s when I got in. And I was like, listen, you boys better catch me up. But the thing about Noli is coming in at age eight at this time is also very strange because like you don't, he just found out that it's a work because Marty left out the commentary (laughs) sheet that has all the results. (laughs) So he didn't know the winners were decided ahead of time before that? No, he the business had been protected. And now he is like, his dad was a little bit like, is he going to lose interest in wrestling? I hope not. Cause like I'm super into it and always have been. No, Noli's just now like aware of the sheet when he and his brother are wrestling. He's like, sorry, you're not going to win this one. Cause uh, <laughs> TK wants me going over. <laughs> and when he TK gave me a goes, big hug. You know that. <laughs> That's extremely sweet. That must be like a big mental shift for a child. I can see that really being a moment in your life where you're like, we're oh, watching him <laughs> live dealing with it. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's just like the last questions about that or like my nephews, we almost pooched it for them where Marty was like, come on, you got to like, you know, don't hit them with your full force. Like do it like they do in wrestling. And they were like, how do they do it in wrestling? <laughs> he was like, well, you don't want to work them too hard and break their arms so they can't wrestle mm. you again. And they were like, good save. All right. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> you bought two more years, Funkle yeah. Marty. They do it real, but but also nice a little bit. Yes. <laughs> You're putting on a show together, we explained calmly. Sweatily. I really think it should be like an Olympic event, like collaborative gymnastics, you yes. know, and then you judge them as yeah. a pair, you know, and they get like oh. a score up to, I guess, five stars. But yeah. We'll do them in Coliseums again. Oh, yeah, I'd love to see them at Coliseum. Yeah. <laughs> I do feel like when they blade and stuff and then they're bleeding, I do kind of feel like a Roman emperor. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I am entertained. Yeah. And the wrestlers say they love bleeding. Like that was know, ultimately crazy. Brian Danielson decided to go to AEW because Vince was like, what can we do? Like, what is, what are you <laughs> trying to do? And can we do that? And he was like, honestly, I just want to bleed again. If it's like, oh, really? I can't do that. Yeah. That was his thing. Wow. He, so they say huh. that it just feels like so good because <laughs> your head, your extremities bleed a lot and it doesn't really do much to like mess with your system. And there's something about it's like hot and stinky and it tastes <laughs> These weird. These guys are perverts, aren't they? They're <laughs> gross. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. That checks wow. out. Yeah. I, I mean. <laughs> Our, I do think uh, Hollywood should be watching wrestling to know how they could do like blood makeup on faces and stuff because they oh, don't go as hard as you could go, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, well, they should be maybe a few more Hollywood stars should be like, I'll just blade. Yeah, if the just, wrestlers are doing it, cut. I can do it. 
I was joking about ha- like hiding a packet of ketchup in the tape and then tearing it off and just <laughs> <laughs> like wiping it across your head. Well, our mutual friend Nicole was saying that uh, at Forbidden Door, she had to explain to her friend, like, no, the the blood is real. And then we were all reminiscing about the first time that we got told no <laughs> and all the other people that we've told it's really interesting how everyone's instinct is like wrestling's fake so the blood is fake and it's like yeah where, where know, do we think it's coming from I never from? had that <laughs> like, moment really? I always knew it was real because I was working in indie wrestling mm-hmm. and Pondo handed me I handed him a mic and he took it from me and got real blood on my hands and I was like <laughs> oh I'm in it now baby I, I know this is real got hepatitis now <laughs> I was like do I I wash it right I wash it off to make sure I didn't have any cuts <laughs> on myself <laughs> but also this feels like I'm being welcomed into a small gathering yeah I mean there's a lot of fluids running around the old wrestling. I hate when they spit I think spitting's the grossest I wish they would never do it I'd rather them pee than spit you know it was very funny that um right before Forbidden Door Orange Cassidy our favorite boy had started doing these twitch streams and in one of the twitch streams somebody asked like why did you stop doing your or why did you stop bringing orange juice to the ring and spraying orange juice in people's faces <laughs> repulsive and uh he did answer that and was just like well it just seemed like a problem because of covid and then at forbidden door it was like left and right people were spraying in each other just faces. spitting goo in each other's face they just spitting in each other's mouths oh yeah. it's just like sammy callahan would just do the worst it was like freaking flubber dancing around out of his mouth in the ring i was like that was the only time i would be on commentary like don't retch don't retch don't retch don't retch (laughs) it's so much grosser at like an indie show too where you're like right there you know or it's like there's no that they're like just getting in a car without showering afterwards (laughs) right you're like there's not a locker room in this weird like like high school gym and i guess there are rooms but it's like you can pretend are a locker variety (laughs) this little concrete box all their spit in the ring so it's actually (laughs) fine there was a show i went to and i'll never forget it jimmy d was the announcer and it was aaw at the logan square and everyone's cleaning up and they're starting to take the ring down and he takes the mic and he goes if anybody has seen Ray Phoenix's tooth, please bring it to me and we will make sure he receives it. That is Ray Phoenix's tooth. Thank you and have a wonderful night. I was like, oh my God, it was real. That's so gross. I think that in the last Ooh. maybe three Young Bucks matches we've seen on AEW, there's been a moment where one of their, like, their gum went flying and I thought it was a tooth. And... I have startled so aggressively and then had to be like, it's the gum again. It's always do the gum. See, that's the thing is you get used to it being the gum, but then sometimes it is a real tooth. So it's like, (laughs) was it Colt who got his tooth slapped out recently? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. And it was all for real. That's all I know about it. That's all I know about it. And I I remember I texted him and I was like, Colt. Are we still going to be able to have Thanksgiving at your house because of your mouth? And like, <laughs> it's like, it's yeah, fine. It's I actually fine. got hit by a line drive in the mouth when I was in seventh grade. And so like several of my teeth got knocked out and it's, it's quite a little dental endeavor afterwards. It's not a lot of fun. So Luckily Colt's best friend from childhood is Sam, the dentist. And he is like a wonderful dentist and multiple times we've been like, Hey, this wrestler, or this comedian, like can't 
get their teeth dealt with. And Sam's always like, just bring them. Like, he does a lot of charity work dentally uh, for wrestlers and otherwise. <laughs> That's really good. That Since they're good. making, like, $25 a night or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, right. <laughs> At a young age, we should be thinking more about, like, those, like, compatible professions that we could grow into where it's more like dentists in wrestling each yeah. other <laughs> chiropractors you know, dentists the nurses that go to wrestling shows my buddy nicole would go to aaw and just kind of be on call and i remember being like nicole it's so nice that you do this for the wrestlers and she's like i just want to give back and a lot of times i can give them a little extra like help or knowledge like while Aww. i'm stitching them up of just like hey drinking water is nice. so good for you <laughs> By the way, she's like, these people need the most basic tips you can imagine. I can't overstate it. They're going up to the top rope and doing like multiple flips and then coming down. And you're like, gosh, if you just brushed your teeth, you'd be so amazing. And you wouldn't have heart disease later from the plaque creeping down into your heart. Oh my gosh, let's get that PSA on dynamite, honestly. Yeah. I'm ready I, for I have it. so many PSAs for dynamite, but they just <laughs> they're not ready for it. They're not they're not AEW is never gonna hire me, but Freddie Prince Jr.'s company might because they're kind mm. of, they're trying to go sag. <laughs> are they really? Yeah, I, the I celebrities predict... who are into wrestling are so interesting. It's like it's just everywhere. We have John Mayer, we have Paul Shear, we have David Arquette. I mean, we've the got Culkins, like, a spread. Yes, Clarissa explains it all. Yeah, right. Gerard Way from MCR. Yeah, yeah. really. We've got the way. Yeah. We've got both the ways. John yeah, Darnell the from ways. the Mountain Goats. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. That's right. John Darnell, Bravo I would Guerrero. love to see a little more wrestling content out of him, I but know. I do love that one picture of him with Bryce Remsburg a few years ago. Very sweet. <laughs> uh, Bryce, what a good guy. Yeah. He's the best. We love Bryce. I just saw that picture of Bryce and uh, Claudio from last night, and I was like, "This is the this is the Jake Hager Orange Cassidy thing all over again." Where it's just like <laughs> one of you true. is just a blown up version of the other. It's the best. I love when you, I call it Big and Littles, where yeah. it, they just look like action figures from different lines. <laughs> You're right. It's on different scales. That's right. You're like they're not identical, but like yeah, I can see that you were going for the same thing. Here. Yes. Um. Not to. Not to like wrench us back onto another topic but I did just want to say like let's talk if if we wanted more women to come watch wrestling and I will say like now we've been to a number of wrestling shows all of us and we look around for the women and we do not always find them <laughs> not unaccompanied anyway <laughs> not, no you'll, you'll see some accompanied but um if if we wanted more women to get into wrestling, like what do you think is gonna get them there? Like what do you think is the thing that is gonna bring us in? We need to treat women's wrestling the same way that men's wrestling is treated. Yes, and it's hard mm-hmm. to do because that usually means bringing in oh gasp a woman to do the booking. Yeah. <laughs> because yep. like these storylines between men and women are very similar, but with like slightly different slices. And if they work together and treat it the same, like it's the thing where I feel like mm-hmm. we're not at the point where we're going to get 50% women, 50% men. Mm-hmm. And then it also brings up like, it shouldn't just be the two genders. Like we should have, you know, people in all array of the spectrum, able to wrestle, able to be promoted, able to be yeah. booked with like mm-hmm. dignified, fun storylines. But the trouble I've noticed in women's wrestling is that 
you get the same like three storylines where it's yeah. like mm-hmm. problem with a guy that they're dating or with or competition in that way or suddenly turning on one another and just like being mean for no reason mm-hmm. or like dumb silly woman and it's <laughs> yeah. like yeah, yeah those are all fun in some ways but I feel like a lot of times when people don't know what to do, they just apply wrestling statistics of right. like, turn them heel, move this up, break this group up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's just not really treated the same way. And it's not like a lot of times companies will give like, they'll make a big deal of like, this is our woman's slot. And it's like, that's fine. But it's always just a nice match with two women and mm-hmm. they kind of have mm-hmm. to figure it out for themselves. And that's not always like when you're focusing on the wrestling you shouldn't have to book your own storyline. You right. shouldn't have to do all that. Like there should be people and there are people who are extremely good at this, who've been doing it for a long time. I always say put Mercedes Martinez in charge of any women's division <laughs> and she will be a locker room leader. She'll have good storylines. She'll tell you exactly what you're doing wrong and how to fix it. Like I've seen her be a locker room leader for years and it's always crazy to me where I'm like, Oh my God, WWE's got her it's going to be fine now. And it's like, no, because it's not yeah. always easy to listen to talented women who are experts yeah. in their field. And yet we must. Yeah. 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 I love Mercedes Martinez and I'm so happy to hear that. I mean, when she showed up, I fell in love with her like instantly. And of course she hasn't been back, you know, Mercedes and Leah come from both come from the brass city. So they have that <laughs> oh. from my hometown. Mm-hmm. And actually I was in my hometown uh, last year this weekend and Mercedes was on rampage and my mother was like, John, John, it's a local girl. <laughs> <laughs> Gather around the TV. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's awesome. She and Eddie Kingston have like a very similar locker room vibe mm, where it's I just like, that. they're going to speak up for what's right. Even if it's not popular, they're going to tell yeah. you exactly what you're doing wrong. And they're also going to be very fun. Like I told her, I was like, you know, I was super intimidated by you. And she was like, what? And I was like, <laughs> come on, you know that. It's really hard to, with the women, I think there's also at AEW, we've noticed like a thing where it's like, it's like a constant reset syndrome where it's like constant reset. You're just mm-hmm. not getting, you know, not to overuse the phrase, but like the long-term storytelling that you enjoy in the men's division with the women, like you'll see something that you really like one week and be like, Oh, those two are teaming up. That's so great. I love that. And then it'll just go away and never come back and yeah. they'll end up in like a new faction and it'll never get referenced. And it's just like, it sucks. Cause it's really hard, you know, to get, invested and to get like excited and to have the material that they need to have those interesting feuds like they basically get backed into the corner of being like there can never be a reason for a feud aside from like I don't like you like we never get any deeper than that like this Mm -hmm. is why I don't like you this is the fundamental disagreement we have or like even the thing of like we're working together but we both want to be the champ like that's so simple and that's a storyline that men have all the time yeah but a lot of times we just don't get the same treatment and I always say it's kind of like they're deprived of nutrients like those women they have such a talented roster the -hmm. things I would do with Red Velvet the things I would do with Chris they're like yeah yeah I was thinking about Red Velvet when you said something about like just randomly turning people heel because like the end result of Red Velvet going heel is perfect like she makes an amazing heel and I think her and Chris have great matches, but it's crazy that they didn't. There was no to reason. Do, for yeah, it. they didn't bother well, to explain it. Yeah, and that like in the there was an interview that she did where she was talking about like, well, 
uh, I had these three different matches where people were booing me and then I ended up going heel. And it was like those three matches where she was against like the hometown girl. And you're like, it's not like you couldn't predict that that's what was going to happen. You know what I mean? Where I was just like, this kind of seems like something that you could have seen coming and used on purpose and done the setup. And like, you know what I mean? Where AEW is very like, to me, it feels very numbers over narrative. And then if you're a bigger star, you're able to control and control your narrative. Dangerous <laughs> phrasing. You're able to like be in charge of your storyline a little bit more. Yeah. I just feel like because there are less time slots for women, but they need to be there. It's purely based on statistics and who's hot right now, Yeah, which is fine. But then it's like, we all want, those things that initially gave us momentum and heat to continue and not yeah. just be like, ah, oh, we'll try this. Ah, oh, we'll try this. And it's like, yeah. that's fine. But it just doesn't like, then people complain about women's wrestling and it's like, well, the problem is in the mechanics of the system, not in the wrestlers yeah. themselves. Yeah. Well, it feels like a lot of like lack of interest in the part of book. It's like no one's paying attention. Like it doesn't seem like anyone's giving any sustained like attention to the division. I feel like it's hard to get Tony's ear the more um, big stars get added. And most of the yeah. big stars that get added are men who have been on WWE lately, yeah. which right. is like right. fine to do. But it's like, I'm always like, don't you want every corner of this to be meticulous and detail oriented Mm -hmm. and like have your like even just down to when the women are doing promos. A lot of times I notice the body language is like they're clasping their hands. They're standing Mm -hmm. hunched like they don't have much time. They feel like they're being rushed. And it's like even just in the direction of that, like I always thought, you know, shoulders back, like head up, like be confident in this promo and then the audience will reward you. But yeah. I feel like that's not even really right. looked at. Well, because we said we love Chris so much and we've seen her do like promos where she's like so clearly so loose and comfortable and then other ones where she clearly isn't. And it's such a huge difference. And we were saying when she did that promo with Athena the other day, we were like, she looks so like she's being encouraged and feels like supported in this moment. And that like well, it's, you can like- see it. She's great because she can do anything at any time. And there were at least six promos, I think, that AAW wouldn't release of her and I because they were too funny, too silly, <laughs> and that wasn't the vision of the booker, which I think is crazy because yeah. it's like, that's fine. But if something's not working for you or it's not what you expected, but it has life, she and I would do a thing that would drive everybody crazy where we would – just start talking to everyone in an old timey voice and just kind of accuse them of being men who don't understand women. And our favorite thing to say was, you think we don't take big hunky dumps just like you. Guess what? You look in my toilet and you'll see something that'll show you a truth you're too afraid to see. And they'd be laughing, but they'd be afraid. And I think that they're afraid of her power. And bring it uh, to, I understand it. Bring I've seen it. Bring it to AEW. Yeah. I don't understand it. You know, it's. I think it's, it's really hard... Um, one of the coolest things in wrestling, I think, is that sometimes you get to see those moments where y- they didn't know that something was going to be cool and then it happens and it's like, <laughs> oh shit, that rocks. Uh, and it's like the women deserve that as much as the men do. Like, yes. if the women are doing something where it's like, you're great at this and it's so shockingly funny, like, we well, should get to Brett see it Baker more. Baker got that. Yeah. She yeah. really did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like, cool, then let's give it to other people too, because everybody's got that fire. If you've made it, to television in pro wrestling, mm-hmm. you have something that nobody else has. Yeah. And it's just like, I think it's so fun to try to uncover that. Yeah. That's such a yeah. good point. That's like, well, we so, want to see it. Yeah. 
Well, it's so weird sometimes because like it goes around like the you know Dave Meltzer whoever is like AEW has a problem with women and it's like but then all the men on wrestling Twitter are just talking like what do women want to see like this mysterious other species and it's like I I, I don't know that they're hard to find. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> We're everywhere. We're on the streets. You can <laughs> ask us. Yeah, yeah, that's like why I I make such a point to kind of be like, hey, I'm paying attention to what the women want and if you just listen to the podcast you'll at least get a section of my other interest is what children are into and that's like a whole other business because like they'll come up with way better reasons for things where it's like clearly the booker didn't think of this but the kids like (laughs) Noli thought that that Luke Perry was buried beneath the gravestone that Penta had after Christian's promo. And I was like, boy, they should have planned that ahead of time. What an implication. When you told that story on your pod, I had to pause because I was laughing so hard. And now I actually don't think that I'm ever going to see Penta's grave and not be like, that's where Luke Perry's buried. Why does he have it with him? That's so evil. And the, um, yeah, no, I won't even get into it. But yeah, no, I agree. Um, do we want to play a game? Yes. Yes. So our game, uh, if you are a a regular listener of our podcast, you will know it. We've played a few times before. It's our dating game. So our beloved producer, Marjorie, is going to come on mic and uh, give us two random wrestlers uh, from AEW. And we are just going to discuss what kind of fun date we think they'd have. Okay. Are you ready for your first random pair? So ready. As ready yes. as I can be. Okay, well, it is Hook and Dan Lambert. <laughs> wow. The Lord gives with one hand and takes away with oh, the other. That's so funny. When you oh. started this and you were like, Hook and Dan, Dan? I was yeah, like, oh like, my God. How's really It's happening. <laughs> no, you can't have it all. You can have Forbidden Door, but then you get COVID. <laughs> that's right. No. That's life. This game teaches Dan Lambert is lessons. the COVID of AEW, I'll say. <laughs> I guess I need to know, and I don't know if this oh, matters, boy. but like, who asked who? Because it's going to be vastly different. <laughs> Who's the what? host of this date? Uh, I guess let's say that Hook asked Dan Lambert on the date. Does <laughs> That's that feel right? Feels right. Um, uh, his, I would say his number was pulled first. So okay. if that if that is any influence. Yeah. So going to Bass Pro Shops is out of the question because that was Dan's idea. <laughs> That's what Dan was going to do. Was that he was going to be... walk him around and let him pick one item out like he was his dad. <laughs> Was that going to be in preparation for actually going fishing or just like recreationally? Like we may never make it to the lake, they were but just at least seeing how this. the date would go. <laughs> Fishing's how do we like shop together, Hook? <laughs> I do feel like those two might have an enjoyable fishing trip, though. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, like a dad's sense. <laughs> right? like, I'm like, that's going to get interrupted by Taz. He's like, you already have a dad. This is over. <laughs> I do think Taz should step in in this scenario, really. I agree. Like, I think that he needs to do a wellness check on Hook here and, and kind of say, like, why why is this happening? Well, I don't know what I think Hook is going to suggest. I'm like, that doesn't seem like a man who's, like, going anywhere on purpose. Like, he kind of like seems... he'd, like, invite you to, like, walk down to the 7-Eleven and get a slushie and <laughs> yes. then, like, watch him skateboard, Ooh, maybe. He's taking me back to college <laughs> in a big way. Yes, that does feel right. Yeah. And he's not paying for your Slurpee, maybe. No. No, no offense, you know what Hook. I think? 
I think Hook is doing something here that's a little bit self-serving. And okay. uh, I think that he wants, you know, Dan's going to be in his element. He's going to look cool. I think he's going to get like a UFC event and it'll be like, I want the Dan Lambert treatment. Okay. We're doing, you know, the pay-per-view. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't need to meet Dana White, but I would very much <laughs> like to meet the cool guys. You know, like let's let's be ringside next to Joe Rogan and uh, you know just just observe what he's putting out that night, and then he'll know that Dan's comfortable. Dan's gonna like be up in his britches trying to show off. Oh, we can get nachos for free. I have unlimited food <laughs> coupons with the UFC. It's like, and he's not saying anything. Like he doesn't care, but that's just you know. That's, that's just the way I mean, it that's is. A win -win. That's you a win-win. That's a win-win date, That does really. feel right because that feel, it's like Hook asks for the date, and then when Dan Lambert is like, what do you want to do? He's like, I'm sorry, are you going to show me a good time or what? <laughs> yeah. You figure it out. That feels right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I've heard backstage scoop that a lot of the communication between Taz and Hook is Taz yelling across the arena, <laughs> wondering what kind of um, sandwich his son wants. <laughs> oh we'll order God. it soon. What do you want? <laughs> That's so funny. That if I was at work that. and my dad was buying me lunch. I don't know, man. I think it's a good setup. I'd like it. Yeah, it's a really like, good you setup. You don't want that? I'm like, yeah, I wish more people were asking me what kind of sandwich I want. People are barely Excalibur's ever buying tuna. me sandwiches. <laughs> oh, man. Marjorie, let's get two new wrestlers. Okay. Next pair. Hangman and Abaddon. <laughs> okay. Abaddon scares the shit out of Hangman canonically. <laughs> so that's terrifying but he but hangman canonically is committed to facing his fears that's true that's in true. trying to understand her he invites her to six flags fright fest <laughs> <laughs> and asks her Aww. to protect him against anyone who may jump out and try to give him a scare oh i, I love bet that she, i bet she would too is the thing like i think she'd be like so good at that she'd just being like, no, this is my man that I scare. You guys go away. <laughs> no, he, don't worry. He's scared out of his mind well enough. He does oh, yeah. This. She keeps getting bubble tea and horrifyingly <laughs> eating it. <laughs> wow, that's a really nice dress you have on. <laughs> Hangman, I should mention, is legitimately buddies with Noli. And oh. they ran into each other at one of the conventions like five or six times during the day. And at one point... Hangman like held up his entire deluxe photo shoot and he goes, this is Noli. He's my friend and we're doing a photo shoot and everybody cheered and they got some of the <laughs> cutest pictures together in the oh world, which will be so amazing sweet. when they have a feud in 15 years. Oh my <laughs> God. I want to see it. That's what you yeah. need those pictures for. The long yeah. booking. Yeah, <laughs> that's so incredibly sweet and really just so nice whenever someone in wrestling you hear is nice. Yeah, That's yeah. like one of my favorite things. Like we always call it the palace intrigue. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, legitimately, like, when I ask Colt Cabana, like, Scoop, I'm usually like, who is the best, nicest person <laughs> in the locker room? You know, the answer I got recently was Miro. I love Miro. He's always taking everybody out to the movies and stuff. Like, That's true. We have seen a lot of those movie shoots, and we <laughs> like those. We've been so happy to hear him back, uh, to have him back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think we nailed Hangman Abaddon there at Fright Fest, and I think Hangman is gonna maybe warm up by the end of the night and feel a little more comfortable and like he kind of <laughs> understands where she's coming from. 
he trusts her enough to go on a ride that takes you up very high and they maybe have like a little like connection yeah Mm. i agree oh i love that uh marjorie give us two more colton gunn and dante martin (laughs) (laughs) that's really cute that is a sweet one (laughs) i feel like colton gunn is probably going to take the lead here in choosing whatever they're doing can't picture it another way because yeah. I see, I can see Dante's little stressed expression in my mind. Well, he's yeah. a little brother, you know. Like yeah. he's mm-hmm. he's a little brother too. So yeah, he like, needs a yeah. So a I just have to, to double check that. So you do know which of the guns is the older brother and which is the younger? Because <laughs> I do. Colton is older I and Austin do is. Know that. I do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Hey guys. <laughs> Unfortunately, I do follow the guns on Instagram, and I would say that that is one of the more enjoyable Insta follows. <laughs> so Colton is the older brother. Mm-hmm. So Colton is older brother. Dante is and younger he has brother. The, yeah, Colton has the little um, ponytail in the back. You're right that I can't. I'm glad that you intuited the next stage of my issue, which is <laughs> no, I don't know which is which. I still don't know which is which. <laughs> Um, I think they'd have a good time at like a Bridgerton type party where everybody dresses in old timey clothes, but it's like, we know we're going to (laughs) grind. I can really picture them in Bridgerton type clothes. I don't. Too easily, right? Too too easily. easily. Yeah. As you're saying it, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. We've created a Tumblr (laughs) subculture. Okay. (laughs) Let me hit you with this, though. This is a persuasion situation. Oh, am I right about that? I just reread Persuasion because there's it's a new my trailer favorite. For it. It's so good. It was even like more erotic than I remembered it being. It's like it's so, so good. Yeah. And that and and when the new version comes out, I can already tell you all my issues that I have with the trailer. Yeah, we watched the trailer and that's it. why I we were pretty it, worried we about were pretty what we saw. Worked up. Looks with like the a way fun PBS, movie that's not about persuasion. So no, they saw Bridgerton <laughs> and they said Jane Austen was kind of like that. And it's like, no, they definitely did. That's what I, I think we were all saying is they were just like Emma was a really big hit, so we'll just do Emma again. And it's like they're very different books about very different yeah. people. That's Emma different breaks people. the fourth wall. Yeah, and Elliot does not. Yeah, no, she'd never. Because she Emma's not even so touch sure the fourth of herself wall. and no. has to learn that she's not sure of herself. And yes. it's literally the opposite in persuasion. <laughs> yeah. They could not be more opposite characters. It's I totally think about that trailer sometimes, and I go, "There's no way any of that would have happened." No, but you know all what? the slapstick. It's, it's offensive. <laughs> <laughs> There's jam on her head. What are they gonna <laughs> fall off that rocky pier? Whop, bop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so oh, nervous. Boy. Well, I think it's, I think that, um, that Bridgerton weekend, unfortunately in my mind, I'm like only remembering like an episode of Midsummer Murders I saw where there was a murder. I've never watched Bridgerton. Bridgerton. I just understand it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a party where everyone dresses up like they're in a Regency book and then they cry. And then then they they cry. Bridgerton. You weren't wrong. (laughs) And I do think that's the party that I want the boys at. I think they'd like it. Yeah. I think Dante would be a little scared at first, but I think he'd get into it. I mean, Dante's super nice. I think he's just up for a good time. Yeah. Well, I, you could do it like I, you could see it where like Colton overhears like a conversation and he <laughs> thinks that like that's what Dante wants to do. And so he invites him to this party. But actually, yes. Colton has never seen Bridgerton either. <laughs> and so- <laughs> they have a moment on the balcony where they're like, I didn't know what this was going to be. But I'm actually having a really good time, man. <laughs> 
These bitches are weird. I was about to say they're comparing notes on the outfits. They're just like explaining where they go. Like I went to a party city. (laughs) Yeah, this was actually Penta's. (laughs) This was Penta's gear from like a show he did at WrestleCon. It kind of looked like britches to me. And he said I could have them, which is cool. Okay, well, I will say that the mental image of, like, everyone else has dressed up in, like, Bridgerton outfits, and they just, like, crowdsourced <laughs> wrestling costumes that kind just of look like stuff. Regency outfits. Mwah. That's perfect. perfect. <laughs> and they both, they didn't know there would be grinding, but then there was, and they were both too polite not to, but then they discover <laughs> some things that about classic themselves, situation, maybe. too polite yeah. not to grind. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I guess we should, uh, when well, in Rome... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for a very fun time. Please tell your brother I said hello. You as well. I have been kind of picturing Austin Gunn just like outside the window, kind of like peering in, like hope it's going oh, good. Oh yeah, yeah. He's actually in a little orphan's outfit. Like he did the other package experience, which is you get to pretend to be a poor. And actually, he loved it. Like, he's reporting back later. He's like, I was shining shoes. I was taking coats. I, I was met just 14 rubbing for dogs. coins in the gutter. <laughs> I think this has been an amazing night for all of these men. <laughs> they really all ended up happy. At the end of the night, the coachman, it's like a very Cinderella thing. It's just mm. Eddie Kingston in a very frilly pirate shirt. <laughs> Get in! <laughs> Yeah, and he's barely stopping the carriage. That's you don't right. want to turn into a pumpkin. Get in. It's like, get in faster. You're not getting in at all. <laughs> uh, do we have time to do one more pair, do we think? Uh, Let's yeah. do one more. We have unlimited time. I'm we have unlimited I love to hear it. For the CDC guidelines. <laughs> Jungle Boy and Tony Khan. Stop. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! Wow. Well, Tony Khan would be thrilled. I think. Who's yeah. in charge of the state? Oh, Jungle I think Boy? Jungle Boy by our rules. By our rule that I demanded we put it. No, place. I think you were right. To, I think you were right you to were worry right to about that in. because that's an important part of the dynamic. So Power Jungle dynamic, Boy yeah. approached Tony Khan <laughs> and, and asked to go on a date. I don't know if that's right. This sort of feels like a dream Tony Khan might have had. <laughs> yeah, this is like what's in Tony Khan's journal. <laughs> I've got a really good idea. Okay. Do you remember in The Parent Trap where the girls were like, we recreated your first date? Mm-hmm. Yes. They, he's like, Tony, what was your favorite wrestling? Was it like WCW, 1989? Was it what? (laughs) Let's get a year and then I'm going to take you to your dream wrestling show. And he like, you know, recreates the sportatorium or like he makes, you know, the civic center (laughs) and just puts on an indie wrestling show and they just watch it together. And they're the only people in, but it's like, obviously everyone will do anything for Jungle Boy. So we've got, like, a couple of Japanese pro wrestlers. Like, we kind of see who's around. We make mm-hmm. do. And there's also, you know, the checkered tablecloth and some candles. Oh, yeah. And they're eating dinner during it. Oh, yeah. Violent player. I think yeah. Tony Khan would probably marry him on the spot if he did that. Yeah. I think Tony Khan, I've heard, is a big fan of um, steak and broccoli for most meals. So I'm picturing <laughs> that on the table. These little details. Really That's what I like. People are like, you know, we, you hear these big, terrible scoops sometimes that everyone's talking about. And I'm like, yeah, but I want to talk about how one time Tanahashi, like, 
asked Jeff Cobb if he could do his hair. And then Jeff Cobb said yes. And then he did a really good job. And Jeff was like, I know it sounds weird, but I really felt beautiful that day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When we went to All Out last year, Allie and I accidentally ended up in the same hotel as the wrestlers, which was extremely exciting. That's amazing. That's the best time. Well, it was was quite scary because literally I parked and we didn't know, we didn't know anything. So again, we're pandemic babies. So we're just like wrestling. People aren't there. It's just the wrestlers. So, but I drive down to Chicago. I park. I get out of my car. I'm walking towards the hotel. I look up and Jungle Boy is just walking towards me. And I was like, this isn't, this no. is not right. Little this heart attack. doesn't well, feel right. I walked into the lobby and I saw like a bunch of people like in wrestling shirts. And I was like, oh, of course, like, cause it's the Marriott, like closest to the arena. I was like, of course there's a lot of fans here. And then I was like, ha ha, wouldn't it be funny if I saw a wrestler? And then I like turned and Jungle Boy was right there. And I was like, oh, oh no. So yeah. But like our favorite little anecdote was we were like standing in the lobby and we just overheard um, the bunny say, I'm going up to Penelope's room. They've got Diet Sprite up there. (laughs) That was so cute. I don't know. Time to go. That's like the best. It's those little moments. Somebody told me they watched Dolph Ziggler eat six bananas back to back in catering. (laughs) What? You know, we're going to have to bring that to our friend group because we've spent a lot of time arguing about how many eggs you could eat in a row, but we've never gotten into it about bananas. There's bananas, and also my very favorite was that Ryback would grab chicken breasts and just swab some peanut butter on there and then just eat it like a bunless burger. That's That's like a Gaston-type snack. That is Gaston. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, I am... I'm loving the mental image that I now have of Jungle Boy taking Tony Khan on what I would call a bachelor country music date, which is, (laughs) you know what I mean? When they're like, we got, it's not Rascal Flats, but that's the only name coming to mind. We got Rascal Flats here and you're the only two people there and you're going to be doing cheek to cheek, slow dancing alone in the room while the man looks at you as he sings. And that's, I want the wrestlers to be. And I want the wrestlers to be looking at Tony Khan and Jungle Boy and <laughs> saying, like is, this the, is this the romance you needed? Are you getting this what you what needed? This is what we all wanted, right? All those curls right together. Be beautiful. Oh, so, so beautiful. Wow. I love it. <laughs> the mom yeah. and the sister did the hostessing, you know, we'll take yeah. you to your table, right. Mr. Khan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm actually going to lose my mind about Jungle Boy being like, I asked Tony Khan on a date, and it's really important to me. And I'm really going to need a little help getting this, getting everything ready, and getting someone to get us in there. And, get, and can the food. someone make sure that Christian doesn't come lurking around to kill me and my boss? <laughs> oh, well, I think we hit on wow. some. I think we hit on some winners tonight. Now, Marty was really curious about what you thought of Christian's little outfit with his turtleneck and his jacket, and I said it reminded me of kind of a pea coat or like a little bit of a, you know, eighteen hundreds outfit, but with a seventies take. What did y'all think? We I think we said loved that it. an evil middle school teacher from a Disney Channel original movie. Initially, exactly it. Initially, I had only thought like college English professor, but working together, we made it to that Disney Channel answer. And I I think it was right. It's really right. Because it is like you'd see him in like one or two episodes and you're just like, oh, he's bad. (laughs) But these kids are going to outsmart him. (laughs) 
They're going to die in blue in the pool like that Amanda Bynes movie I never saw. <laughs> oh, my God. Did we were... you see that Twitter theory that the thing that he has on Luchasaurus is that Luchasaurus accidentally ate Mar- Marco and Christian's <laughs> the only one who knows? See, now that's, like, if we're going to be flippant about Marco Stud, who AEW famously did not do right, R- yes. at yeah, least make his legacy something better. Where it's like, yeah, Luchasaurus, like... It was a total accident. It was a total accident. It's not his fault. He is he part dinosaur. He feels really bad about it. It so. is in his blood to want to eat humans. It's actually we're lucky he hasn't eaten more than just Marco Stunt. But guess who saw then it? we know Guess of. who saw it? Oh, my gosh. I do think that that line got one of the biggest shock reactions yeah. out of me where I was like they mentioned Marco in this way I know this for is me it's like do him? one thing to say something about like dead Luke Perry but like yeah. Marco stunt come on I know no, it, I can tell like, you at least AEW did Meltzer mentioned that I know he didn't like the Luke Perry reference but I thought I was like I, I said this on our podcast I was like whenever they mention a dead person in a wrestling promo in my mind, I'm always like, oh, it's really sweet because clearly they had a talk and we're like the dead person. I always say that kick yep. out of this. And th- to me, that's really sweet to mention Marco. I was like, this is actually beyond the pale. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> like, do they call they, Marco? Like, I don't see that. Are they going to bring him back? Like, yeah, what are we yeah. doing here? Marco Stunt has the sweetest parents in the whole world, and they would always show up to him and his brother Logan's indie wrestling shows wearing shirts. <laughs> That said, we make stunts for your entertainment. <laughs> that's oh, so that's cute. wonderful. I love that. Yeah. So I like always think about that where I'm like, you had Marco stunt in your company and his adorable parents mm-hmm. and his teeny tiny brother that looks just like him. And this is what you did with him. <laughs> It's so disappointing, too, because, like, I really, like, one, the fun thing about indie wrestling is, like, there's so many different bodies and stuff, and I love, like, the three-tier Jurassic oh, Express. So it was yeah. so good. And then they mm-hmm. just replaced him with Christian. It was like, yeah. And this was, once Christian did that heel promo, I was kind of like, all right, I'll hear him out. And Marty's like, yeah, you've never gotten to see heel Christian. He's really good. <laughs> we were waiting for it. We We've were really psyched. for yeah. it from day one, pretty much. So it's been, I'm, I'm excited to see him in action because I'd never liked him as a face, but I'm prepared to enjoy him as a heel. Same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we have had the best time talking to you, Sarah. Thank you so much. I could do this all night. I'll come back anytime. (laughs) You will be welcome back anytime. And we are, um, I don't think we said this at the beginning, but we are also going to be having uh, an episode featuring uh, Marty. And I did say we're coming up with some questions and he's going to be asked to to speak for men. For all men. (laughs) I think so. And also, like, for me... Okay. Really, you can ask him about, like, what was it like, like, falling in love with Sarah live <laughs> on the air? Like, we don't talk about this enough. I tell our story to everyone all the time. But, like, you can tell the story and then I can like, have my should audio we, scrapbook updated. Should we try and get that into that? When we have him introduce himself, we'll try and, like, feed that a little, like, and tell us about, like, you have a, an amazing podcast. What was the story there? And Yeah, in what's terms the top of, thing you got out of the podcast, do you yes. think, Marty? Was it like, yeah, what was it like keeping it secret from the fans and then revealing it through a character that we made up some number of episodes in? We'll get it. We'll get it all. I think he's. It seems like he's going to love being interrogated about this. But no worries. We're happy to do it. So we'll oh, get those loves stories it. out. And of he's it. a good. We. I have friends who speak to him as a representative of all Gen X. So like 
Having him be a representative of all men, he's used to being put in these positions. <laughs> <laughs> he's a Just king the on the token. planet. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope he's getting. He's going to be asked to do things like explain FTR to us. So. Oh my gosh, he'll be so honored. There's going <laughs> to be a lot of FTR, <laughs> and he can really. He got me. Line. He got me on FTR. Like that's how good he is. Okay, then we I'm really. Like, need I see him. it now. Because we are, I would say that we are holding out against FTR more even than most of the people who listen to our podcast. He might, he might give you, I don't know. He, he, it worked on me. We're, we're ready to get got. So he better, he better bring his all. Um, Yeah. I won't even lay any groundwork. I'll just let him, you know, deal with his good brothers. Um, Yeah. But you guys are, you guys are the best. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, We will wrap it up there. I've been Allie. I've been Ann. And I've been Leah. And this is Tunnel Talk. Our show is produced by Marjorie Voinovich. Our theme is by Chris Borkin. You can find us on Twitter at Tunnel Talk Pod, via email at tunneltalkpod at gmail.com. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you want and come back, uh, I think, actually later this week. So <laughs> come back at some point when you see us in the feed. <laughs>